When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Forever. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast. Scary, scary stories, stories to, to tell on the, the pod. pod. It is a podcast all about scary stories, urban legends, spooky things you tell us about. And it's a way to get through your week with something that is a little bit scary, but a little bit not. It's like tempering an egg in some Bernays sauce. I think that's real. Oh. Is there egg in Bernays? Don't. Tell me. Don't anyone tell him I'll smack you. <laughs> don't tell him. I don't want to know the answers. You can't. <laughs> um, Anna, so Anna and I were just discussing, we're kind of recording late night. This is a bit of a sleepy, spooky episode. Yeah. If if that's, if I know that Jason, boyfriend of the podcast, listens to podcasts the entire night that he's asleep. And I, I wonder, please let us know if we're one of those for you. If you sleep yeah, and listen love, to us. We, we love knowing that we fit in the Goodnight Moon extended cinematic universe. You know? Yes. Yes. We are the WandaVision of Goodnight Moon. <laughs> um, Anna, today is a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. And it is my turn to do an urban legisode. Woo. You said and that Anna, you're excited for it, and I'm excited that I'm, you're excited. I am really excited about this one because it. I did not know about it. Um, it's very strange. It feels kind of bedtime story-esque. Uh, so this feels like the perfect time to tell it. Great. Uh, Anna, this is the story of the big gray man. Oh. So, and this is, let's just say, this is, this is in Scottish folklore. I am a, a certain percentage Scottish as, as, uh, depicted by my complete oatmeal of skin. Um, <laughs> So a lot of these, like Scottish Gaelic, any sort of Gaelic, I know it's in my blood. It is a very confusing language to read. If we have any Scottish or Irish listeners who have some insight, would love some help because even even going through like YouTube of how to say these things, some of these are just noises I don't know that I can make. Okay, great. We're going to get there together. Thank you. So um, – <laughs> The Scottish Gaelic uh, version of the word "the big gray man" is "um fiere yet more." <laughs> you, d- you've got to be kidding me! That was amazing, Andrew. It, 
Thank you very much. I'm sure it's completely wrong. Um, but it literally translates to big gray man of Ben McDew or McDwee or McDwee. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so it is the name for a presence or creature, which is said to haunt the summit and passes of Ben McDew, the highest peak of the Cairngorms and the second highest peak in Scotland. Oh my goodness. The Cairngorms, Anna. <laughs> How is it spelled? Q U I U I Um C A I R N G O R M S. I didn't catch on to wow. any of those. No, no, no. I'm not looping a dead yet. It makes me think of our friend Dana Klinkman um has an ancestral name which is McGilligorm, which I think is the funniest thing in the world. Oh my god. So um, some references that I'll be drawing from our favorite book, Wikipedia and big gay man. I'm big gray man.com. Andrew. Oh no. I've listened. Andrew. Excuse <laughs> Do me. Not, I, I, I am not responsible. If you Google big gay man.com, <laughs> I did not tell you to do that. I'm typing it in. Hold on. <laughs> if it is nothing, I'll be so disappointed. Okay. It's I loading. Too. What a this site can't be reached. No, <gasps> the, the domain well, is available. Listen to our listen. tall or to our <laughs> tall or large gay men out there. BigGayMan.com. Um, so it's your day. BigGrayMan.co.uk. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> the, okay. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with the description of the Big Gray Man. Although there have been many purported encounters with the big gray man, few eyewitnesses have actually seen the creature. It is reportedly to be very thin and over 10 feet tall. I hate that. With gray skin and hair, long arms, and broad shoulders. Sounds like Slenderman. The creature remains. It is. It's kind of an early Slenderman. Most often, the creature remains unseen in the fog of the mountain, with encounters limited to the sound of crunching gravel as it walks behind climbers, and a general feeling of unease around the mountain. Tangible evidence of its existence is limited to a few photographs of unusual footprints, so the majority relies on the credibility of eyewitness encounters. Let's get into the sightings, Anna. In 1925, J. Norman Colley gave the first recorded account of a gray man encounter. A noted hiker, professor, and member of the Royal Geographical Society Kali recounted a terrifying experience he had as he hiked alone, along, uh, as he hiked alone near the summit of Ben McDew years earlier in 1891. Um, I was entertaining the possibility of doing a Scottish accent. I'm not confident enough to do that. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just read the quote in a sort of rustic, um, guttural voice, which okay. I think is like adjacent to Scottish. I was returning from the cairn on the summit in a mist when I began to think I heard something else than merely the noise of my own footsteps. Every few steps I took, I heard a crunch, and then another crunch, as if someone was walking after me, but taking steps three or four times the length of my own. I said to myself, this is all nonsense. I listened and heard it again, but could see nothing in the mist. As I walked on and the eerie crunch, crunch sounded behind me, I was seized with terror 
and took to my heels, staggering blindly among the boulders for four or five miles. That is a long time. That is a long time. Uh, Wow. To stumble blindly for five miles, to walk from my bed to the bathroom in the dark, I I deserve a medal. So, (laughs) J. Norman Colley, good work. Uh, Whatever you make of it, I do not know. But there is something very queer about the top of Ben McDwee. And I will not go back there again. It's hard. I'll just say this. It's hard to have the terms queer and top and Ben all appear in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> My God. But I don't think that cheapens the spookiness of it. I don't think so either. Yeah. Ultimately, you're still in the mountains with some sort of, you know, entity. But at the same time, right. it we're not dead, you know? Yeah. And Anna, I'm going to send you a picture of, of what Ben McDwee looks like. It is very scary it is very rocky like i can't imagine um hiking along this oh yeah it's it looks this looks like the lighthouse like the movie the lighthouse like it's rocky and foggy and misty and there's like lichens or moss or something growing on the um the rocks but there's just doesn't seem like there's much going on it does look like it's very tall up Yeah. So after this account, all of these other people came forward and were like, I've had a similar experience where they describe the sound of long footsteps behind them, quote, slurring footsteps as if someone was walking through water saturated gravel. Oh, oh, isn't that awful? I don't like that. And it's throughout the day and night, like not not just night, which we've talked about daytime horrors. I know daytime hoors. Daytime hoors. Um, so then, uh, in 1945, Peter Densham was participating in rescue work in the Cairngorm Mountains during World War II. One day he reported the hearing. One day he reported hearing strange noises, mist closing in on his location, and increasing pressure around his neck. Oh. He fled before seeing anything concrete. But a friend of his, uh, climber Richard Freer. If you have a friend who's a climber, tag yourself. I We definitely have some climber friends. Everyone has it's, a friend um, of a friend, at least, who's a climber. Uh, so, so Richard Freer wrote about his sense of a presence, utterly abstract, but intensely real on the mountain, and heard an intensely high singing note a few years later in 1948. Oh, oh no, the big gray man is a BFA. Wait. Oh, my God. He's trying it out. He's trying it out. Um, Frere also presented the encounter of another mutual friend who wished to remain anonymous while he camped in Ben McDwee. Uh, he reported waking up feeling an inescapable feeling of dread. I think that just means you're in Scotland. Sorry. It also sounds like a untreated mental illness. <laughs> like, God, it felt like I my anxiety manifests as feeling like I'm being strangled. And I was like, oh, I um, I I. I tweak something in my neck. It feels like coming around my throat, but only sometimes. And when I'm yes. very stressed out and it's like, Oh, maybe you're, you need to meditate. I think that's, and that's what I mean. Like Scotland is a gorgeous country with many great assets. Um, but I, there is a high depression right there. I hear due to the weather, there's very little direct sunlight and yeah. especially in this area. And it's, it's very, very misty all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so then in 1958, Anna, oh, so, um, so this friend of Frere's who wished to remain anonymous said that after this feeling of, of intense dread, he looks out his tent and he sees a large figure with gray hair standing in front of the moon in silhouette, which is what a scary thing to see. Oh, he knows his Um, framing. He knows the framing. I imagine if you were aware, like the concept of being in silhouette in the moon means the moon's got to be big and you've got to be tall. Yes, that's true. I never think about that. (laughs) Uh, So then in 1958, naturalist and mountaineer Alexander Tunion published an article in the Scots magazine about an encounter with the gray man in 1943. I spent a 10-day leave climbing alone in the Cairngorms. One afternoon, just as I reached the summit of just as I reached the summit cairn of McDwee, of Ben McDwee, mist swirled across the Laren Grew again, I'm so sorry, Scotland, and enveloped the mountain. The atmosphere became dark and oppressive. A fierce, bitter wind whisked among the boulders, and an odd sound echoed through the mist. A loud footstep, it seemed. Then another, and another. A strange shape loomed up receded, came charging at me. Without hesitation, I whipped out the revolver and fired three times at the figure. When it still came on, I turned and hared down the path, reaching Glendary in a time that I have never bettered. You may ask, was it really the fear of more? Frankly, I think it was. <laughs> God. Um, so this is the wildest part about this, Anna. So there have been no uh, photographs, but that account of Alexander Tunian points out that there is a very high likelihood that there is a scientific explanation for this specter, which is an optical illusion known as the Brocken specter. Oh, and I, I, a yeah. bra inspector. Hey, <laughs> oh no, sign me no. up. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Imagine just constantly wearing only shirts that you get at Six Flags. <laughs> um, so a Brock inspector or mountain inspector can occur in certain atmospheric conditions when the sun is at a particular angle. The subject's shadow can be cast onto a cloud bank around them, creating the illusion of a large, shadowy human Whoa, figure. Oh, no yeah. way. So let me send let me send you a link to what a rock inspector looks like. Oh, and too scared. Yeah, if if I saw this, I would think A, this is an angel coming to save me, or this is some horrific creature. You ready? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Isn't it gorgeous uh, and terrifying? I hate that so scary. Yes. And the craziest thing is it can, it doesn't have to be the sun. It can be the moon. It can also be headlights on a car. And that's why it was night and day. Yes. And so look at like some of these ones that are like um, from streetlights and things. They're so scary because they're often surrounded by something called um, a glory, which is a a circular rainbow that often happens. God. Light is being cast at a certain angle and there are the right amount of droplets in the air. Right. And this this uh, does explain a lot because Scotland and Ireland and this part of the world is extremely misty. So they're, yeah. they're always able to... I mean, that's why you've sort of got the rainbow and the pot of gold and all that. 
Um, doesn't it, doesn't it look like like someone is either coming to take you to heaven or hell? Doesn't that what it look like? That's what it looks like to me. It looks like they're coming to take me to heaven, and it turns out heaven burns. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, so I'm I'm like gobsmacked by this. All these like uh, drawings of the big gray man are very slender manny. But I kind of prefer the take that's like more ethereal and less overtly ominous, you know? It's just this presence that's walking after you. Right. Um, which apparently also kind of speaks to uh, something called infrasound, which can be generated by wind, and it it puts pressure on the water in our bodies and creates feelings of uneasiness and anxiety and is very often considered to be something that um, – explains both like Bigfoot sightings and like ghostly encounters. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. So like, say it again. It, it puts pressure on the water in our bodies, which makes Apparent- us anxious. Apparently. So infrasound sometimes referred to as low frequency sound describes sound waves with a frequency below the lower limit of audibility for humans. Uh, hearing becomes gradually less sensitive as frequency decreases. So for humans to perceive infrasound, the sound pressure must be sufficiently sufficiently high. And um, I guess that, yeah, like it, it like puts this strange pressure on like our inner ear and potentially like the rest of our the, like liquid in our bodies. And um, the, the like closest comparison can be sometimes people have very emotional reactions to large pipe organs. Whoa. Uh, and that's thought to be an element of it. Interesting. Um, or even like the, p- sometimes people use subwoofers to keep crowds from staying in a certain place. Um, they're right. not like you, you can't detect them, but it like staying in the space where that frequency of sound is happening makes you be like, I have to get out of here. It like puts you in a panic state where you have to leave. Weird. Oh my God. This explains why I'm such a bitch at concerts. <laughs> I'm so cranky at them and always leave early. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't need to be friends with any of you. I got to run right now to anywhere that isn't here. <laughs> that is. And yeah, they're like, um, infrasound events, like evolutionarily, there might be a reason for it because they tend to happen around avalanches, earthquakes, volcanoes, um, a falling of icebergs, like, or, uh, uh, um, sometimes they can predict when lightning is about to strike. So it's all these things that combine into us having potentially a paranormal experience. I, this first, I have a couple things to say. First of all, this is science. We're doing science right now. And that's wow. actually amazing. <laughs> Second of all, I, I have to say it's a little bit, it's so interesting. It's a little bit bumming me out to think that ghosts could be because of, you know, these simple things. So I anticipated this, Anna. And, okay. And um, that's why I want to close out this urban legislature with a quote from Peter Densham, the leader of the Cairngorms Royal Air Force Rescue Team from 1939 okay. to 1945. He's the one who had one of the earlier accounts we mentioned. Okay. And, um, and when faced with the scientific possibilities of this, because people have known about infrasound for a long time, um, and even the, the concept of uh, Brock Inspector has been known for hundreds of years. Uh, this is what Peter said. Tell me that the wine was but the result of relaxed eardrums. 
and the presence was only the creation of a mind that was accustomed to too great an interest in such things, I shall not be convinced. Come, rather, with me at the mysterious dusk time when day and night struggle upon the mountains. Feel the night wind on your faces and hear it crying amid rocks. See the desert uplands consumed before the racing storms. Though your nerves be of steel and your mind says it cannot be, you will be acquainted with that fear without name, that intense dread of the unknown that has pursued mankind from the very dawn of time. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine if you, if someone was telling a scary story and you were like, I don't know, there's a scientific explanation for that. And, and they, they said that. <laughs> it's the equivalent of Dr. Grant, or no, who's, it's the equivalent of Sam Neill in Jurassic Park using the. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dr. Grant. Yeah, Dr. Grant using the raptor claw to like pretend disembowel a kid. It was it like, is, you could have gone a little bit less hard. It is very that. And it's like, I, uh, at one point, I'm kind of like rolling my eyes, like, okay, but also I do want to make out with this person, you know? Like, Big time. Yeah, yeah. And like try to make him be my boyfriend, even though I don't like any of the things he likes. <laughs> and I don't want to go on the mountain, actually, because it sounds so scary. Oh, I'd love to go. I, I just don't have the right shoes. You yeah. Know? How long is it? Like 45 minutes? <laughs> 12 days. Um, I could. Let me look. I don't want to. <laughs> I, this is a thing though that like, you know, so much in this podcast, we're looking for reasons to not be afraid of stuff being like, there's a perfectly logical explanation, but sometimes I don't want to know. I don't want to know what that thing is. Or... I want to know, and then I want to decide not to believe that. Yes. You just described exactly right. Yeah, like you ending, that was so perfect ending on sort of a, a Scottish threat was exactly what I wanted <laughs> after hearing like, it simply is the sound waves acting upon the inner ear. I was like, go to hell, virgin. Like I hate that. And then it, you, you want it to be ghosts all the time. You just want that. It also is like a reason why I do love Scottish people. My, I mean, Anna, I think I've mentioned this in the pod before. Um, I do have several Scottish cousins. One of them is Gerard Butler. I don't want to talk about it. <gasps> um, <laughs> I routinely forget this information. It's big. It's big news. Um, oh my yeah, God. I mean, we are very distant. You distant were so enough. chill about it when we were watching that movie that he was at Greenland. Yes. Yeah. I'm very chill about it during Greenland. We're distant enough that I don't feel weird watching 300, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a thing that I have to consider. Who um, isn't a cousin at this point? And yeah. I mean, in the end, if you're from Scotland, you're definitely everyone who's from Ireland and Scotland, you're all related to each other. And I it's say this why as we of, look like that. I'll just say yes, that. Yeah. It's it, any it's number why. of we. That's like why my knees click. Like that's why yeah. it's too many. Um, but, uh, my dad's Scottish cousin would occasionally just show up at our house completely unannounced. Um, his name was Edward and it, we just loved to hear him speak, but we couldn't understand almost anything he said. Um, and he did bring me a Loch Ness monster shirt when I was like four oh. or five years old. And that was huge news for me. I love it. Oh, that. that's, it's good to give spooky gifts to a little, little child. And he, he knew. And also like the thing, so the thing about the Scottish people that I have known thus far is um, there is a sort of similar, like, like people, Irish people are known as being like very fun, you know, uh, storytellers gift the gab. And Scottish people are sometimes known as being a little more serious. Mm. 
But when yeah. you get a Scottish person, and this is a huge generality, but I'm just talking about the few that I've met. Um, they do love telling stories, but they're all as intense as Peter's quote just then, which I kind of love. It's really nice. And it makes sense. Like, I do think that the terrain in Scotland is a little less forgiving than <laughs> Ireland. And, like, they're both, you know, they have a variety of trains in both places. But like Scotland goes really far north, like it's... not the North Pole, but like not terribly far. Like you, there, there are it, parts in like Aberdeen. They, it's like a very, very high latitude. That's the um, thing. It is to be Scottish. It's like you are in this gorgeous place, but it is a challenge. Everything feels like a challenge to me in Scotland. You know, the, the ground fights you. At least in <laughs> yes. Ireland, it's like very green, and in um in even like in Edinburgh, which is a city, it was very craggy. I went on a ghost tour in Scotland famously twice and the, they're very serious, but then there were a lot of like jokes throughout it, but it still was like, it's very, um, they don't, they're not messing around, you know, it's very clear no. from people that they don't get sunlight for more than a few hours every day for like half the year. That is, it, there's like a certain, yeah, I definitely inherited that complexion for sure. Uh, to the point that um, one time uh, my old boss's uh, uh, partner, she was Scottish and I had to deliver something to her apartment in New York uh-huh. and she opened the door and she was this old Scottish lady and she said, <laughs> oh my God, you look like what every Scottish father hopes his son looks like, oh. which I was like. I don't know whether that's the harshest read or the nicest thing anyone's ever said. To me. So, much. Anna, thank you for letting me share that oh. uh, that folktale from my home, from one of my ancestral homelands. Thank you for sharing, Andrew. That was heaven, and a very oh. happy recent Beltane to everybody. Do we have Scottish listeners? I'm so eager to know. It would be absolutely impossible for us to not have Scottish listeners. I know that to be true. That's true. I feel very confident. Scottish hive, pop off, please. Absolutely pop off. Um, I hope that people are able to have a safe socially distanced Beltane. Um, Mm -hmm. The one Beltane I went to when I was in college, my friends took their clothes off and danced by a fire and somebody stole their um, wallet from their (laughs) jeans, which is correct. You know, like that is what you should do. (laughs) It's a Scottish pastime to do that to students visiting from America. (laughs) You gotta. You actually gotta. (laughs) Um, Anna, I think it's time for our favorite segment. Scary, scary ideas idea for things that could happen. That could happen. Uh, how do you feel, first or second? How do What's you feel, first or second? I have one. Okay. It just jumped to mind. Okay. You live in a gated community, and you're kind of new there, but you're loving it. And you get home, you walk in the door, you think to yourself, oh, I left the door unlocked, that I shouldn't. Uh, you close the door, go up the stairs, you go into your bedroom, uh, you take your shoes off, you let it all hang out, you undo your belt, you lie down in bed, and you think, this is great, I'm home. And then you look on your bedside table, and you realize that the picture on there is of a family that you don't recognize. And you start looking around you and there are photographs of people you have never seen before. Oh. And you think, oh my God, is there something wrong with my brain? Did I 
suddenly get some face rearranging brain bump and then you realize you have walked into the wrong home that, that could, could happen. happen and many addicts can tell you it does it <laughs> does people I, do see, this I've, I have heard this. My my brother in law, Chris's brother uh, Kevin, once on Fire Island, oh. um, rode a bicycle home, walked in, lay on a couch, and then realized he was in the wrong place. And Chris, Chris had to text him directions how to get back home. Uh, oh and that's God. very scary to me. Well, the taking all your clothes off part is scary. To be nude oh in somebody gosh. else, in somebody else's house. I, to be nude in somebody else. <gasps> Who would do this? <laughs> oh my god so funny thank you uh that's really good that is spooky and it could happen and it has it could and has and maybe will um okay i have one great you are in a foreign country in the grocery store and you've got a basket on your arm and you're going through the aisles and you pick up an item from the sort of grain pasta aisle and it's a bag and you look at it and it's got little round sort of off-white vaguely clear little pearls in it like little ball like you can't tell is this like pearl pasta what is it and you're looking at the label and you realize you can't make out what alphabet it's even in and then you realize, wait, what country am I in? And why am I here? And when did I get here? And how long have I been here? And then you're like, what? And then you're like, huh? And then someone at the grocery store comes by with a, a price gun. They're repressing stuff. And you... Walk up to them and then say, hi, sorry. Um, I don't know if you could help me. I'm a little confused. And the person looks at you and their eyes are skull eyes. And they say, oh, yes, that's right. You're dead. That could, that happen. could happen. The revelation of being dead in a grocery store, but you're in a grocery store of the dead. Very scary, Anna. Oh. You are in heaven, and that's heaven language. And also, people are dead. And also, everybody's a skull. Scary dairy. Um, scary dairy. Also known as um, yogurt. Yes. I anyway. Love. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anna, this has been a real treat and a lovely little kind of calm, soothing, like um, uh, scented candle of an episode. Oh, I know. This is this is a the candle on the bath. But don't fall asleep too much. Don't fall asleep too much. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, and remember, everybody, next week we start our new release schedule, which there will still be Urban Legisodes on Wednesday, but the other episode will be released on Fridays from here on out. That's true. Can you believe this? Celebrate your weekend with us in style. New Year, new you. <laughs> uh, and you know what else you can do? Get, Get out. out. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, 
and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. <laughs>